It was the 43rd meeting of the Problem Club. Dinner was over, and the members had adjourned to the lofty and comfortable room where the business of the evening was transacted. A side table was suitably equipped with provision for smokers. All the members were smokers, and for such other refreshments as might be required in the course of the evening. One or two waiters still lingered, removing a coffee cup, handing a liqueur, or placing an ashtray and matches conveniently on one of the small tables. A hum of conversation went on through the blue haze of the cigar smoke. Mr. Pursley Smythe, with his usual lugubrious manner, was just coming to the end of a screamingly funny story. Any reference to the competition to be settled is, by an unwritten law, forbidden until the chairman has opened the proceedings but it was noticeable that Major Biles was once more talking of resigning his membership. He was not taken very seriously. He was an original member, and though he lived in the country for the greater part of the year, had never been known to miss a single meeting of the club. His continuous bad luck in the competitions had irritated him, but nobody believed in his threat of resignation, and it may be doubted if he quite believed in it himself. The waiters left the room, and Sir Charles Bunford, an elderly gentleman of distinguished appearance, who was chairman for the evening, took his place at his table and arranged his papers. Among them, the club checkbook showed temptingly, in accordance with the club custom, by which the chairman at one meeting acted as secretary at the next, Dr. Alden took his seat beside Sir Charles and prepared to make a note of the proceedings for the club minute book. Conversation ceased. The other members seated themselves informally in a semicircle of easy chairs. There was indeed a marked absence of formality at the problem club. There was no order of precedence. The chairman did not rise when he spoke, nor did members rise when they answered him. Now, gentlemen, Sir Charles began. We have before us tonight the giraffe problem. I will read it out to you as worded by our esteemed friend, Leonard. It is required to induce a woman who is unaware of your intention to say to you, you ought to have been a giraffe. Now, of course, I'm not a competitor, but I must say that I'm sorry I'm not. Upon my word, I don't think Leonard has ever given us anything quite so easy. There were several dissentient voices. Not a bit of it. Can't agree with you there, Bunford. Wish I'd found it so. Leonard knew what he was doing this time. Oh, very well, said Sir Charles, smiling. I should have thought there were a score of conversational openings to which the inevitable reply would be, you ought to have been a giraffe. I may be wrong, but I still expect that the prize tonight will have to be divided between four or five of you. However, we'll see what luck you've had. I'll begin with you, Doctor, and then go on in the direction of the sun and the wine. Dr. Alden shook his head. He had a strong head, an alert expression, and a bright eye. No good, he said. There was too much to do in Harley Street this month for me to be able to give the proper time to it. I made an attempt. It has probably cost me the esteem of an excellent woman. These excellent women never think you're serious except when you're joking. I gave her the chance to tell me I ought to have been a giraffe. But she never took it. Enough said. Try the next man. The next is our only member of Parliament, Mr Harding Pope. 
not competing this month, said Mr. Pope rather pompously. My constituency has made great demands upon me, and I'm unable to defend my entrance fee. Fortunately, the pleasure of the company in which I find myself is worth far more. That's all right, said Sir Charles warningly. But don't get too slack. We've got a long waiting list. What about you, Major Biles? My usual luck, said the Major. I worked the whole thing out completely and made all the necessary preparations. I was down at my cottage at the time. I assure you that during the whole of breakfast one morning, I talked about practically nothing except giraffes and the way they can pull down fruit from a tree, thanks to their thundering long necks. My wife, the children's governess, and Mrs. Hebor, who was stopping with us, all heard me, though I can't say they seemed particularly interested.